You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 48. I wanted to let y'all know that we're officially creeping up on our 50th episode of the Influencer Podcast. That's right. On March 14th, we'll be celebrating number 50. I can't express my gratitude and honor to this amazing community enough, but to try and do so, I'm excited to be hosting a fantastic giveaway as a thank you and to celebrate this milestone. Y'all have given our show so much, and this is a small token of my appreciation and love, as I'm forever grateful for each of you listening and to all of our guests. One lucky winner will be receiving three $100 gift cards, one from Amazon, Nordstrom, and iTunes. To enter, simply follow me on Instagram at Joel Solomon. Sign up for the Influencer Podcast newsletter by going to theinfluencerpodcast.com and scrolling down to the bottom. It's super easy to find. Then head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. When reviewing the podcast, let us know why you love the podcast and what your biggest takeaway from the past 50 episodes have been. Be sure to mention the 50th episode giveaway so that we can make sure to count you in the giveaway. Lastly, leave your Instagram handle and name in the iTunes review so we can tag the winner on Instagram. Again, follow me on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter, then subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. That's all you gotta do. I'll be announcing the winner on my Instagram and Instagram stories on March 14th, the day that our 50th episode goes live, so be sure to mark your calendars. Thank you again, and good luck if you're entering. Last week on the show, the awe-inspiring Marie Forleo dropped by to share her transformational tips to starting and succeeding at our dream business. Plus, she gave us a sneak peek inside this year's launch of B-School. You guys, you do not want to miss that episode. It was amazing. This week, James Nord, the co-founder of Four Card, is popping by, and man, does he help us today. We talk about improving the health of our following, and he gets super honest about how we can also improve our online influence in a way that just goes farther beyond a photo and a following number. I really, really respected and valued his transparency in this episode. You guys do not want to miss it. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hello, influencers, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, we have a name that you might have heard of before, especially if you are a brand blogger or influencer. James Nord is the co-founder of the Buzzed About Four Card, whose purpose is bringing together two groups of people who share a love for storytelling, creative brands, and creative influencers. Four Card is notably the first company to ever introduce influencer follower health scores to identify fake followers and prevent fraud on Instagram. Along with his co-founder, Rich Tong, James and Four Card have been able to give brands and influencers peace of mind and clarity behind who's following accounts on Instagram, whether real humans are there or bots. And since influencer marketing is only on the rise, Four Card is able to direct brands to the influencers with an authentic following that lead to incredible partnerships while promoting influencers to build a legitimate following. With a healthy following on Instagram himself and beautiful photos, might I add, lots of connections and friends in the influencer space and a successful business targeted at the influencer industry, James's insight is like none other. With business as his book backbone, he has a sincere, unique look at the world of influence and building an authentic brand, and I'm ex- excited for him to share his story and his thoughts with you guys today. So hello, James, and thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That was a, that was a great intro. I feel like, you know, if you ever need a job as a four card salesperson, you're, I'll, I'll extend that offer to you. Uh, that is, that is amazing. <laughs> and I will take that for sure. Thank you. Um, well, I kind of just want to, to hit the ground running with you. I know that you bring together creative brands and creative influencers to really ideally form relationships that, that lead to more long-term growth, long-term partnerships, and, and kind of a win-win in terms of that connection and relationship building. So I would love if you could walk me through how Four Card 
really does this like no other company out there and, and really kind of what, where that mission came about? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it probably makes sense to talk about how Rich and I started the company. Um, I maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, I started a Tumblr, um, which some of the, you know, some of the, the young kids may not even remember when Tumblr was a thing, but, uh, you know, 10 years ago, Tumblr started, maybe it started 11 years ago or something, but, um, at the time it was, it was still pretty difficult to design a blog. You know, you had to have either a developer and designer who would, you know, hack a WordPress together for you, uh, or you had to have that ability yourself to be able to do some coding. So I, I don't know anything. I can't write a single line of code and, uh, Tumblr came out and, and you could create these really beautiful, they had these beautiful templates that made it really easy to start a blog. So I started the Tumblr pretty soon after the platform uh, was introduced and launched. I just started kind of using it to throw up photos. I think I'd just gotten the first iPhone that came out uh, and I was just using that to, you know, take photos of, uh, you know, I was recently new to New York city. Um, so taking photos of the cities, things like that. So as time went on, Tumblr grew, I got more interested in photography. My following grew and three or four years later, I kind of found myself as one of the most followed photographers on Tumblr. And this is before Instagram even existed. So, you know, extend that out. I was one of the most followed photographers in the world at the time. Right. And this was, you know, it, it was a very new space because influencers, the term didn't even exist. There was bloggers and there was like, you know, fashion bloggers, Brian Boy, Susie Bubble. They were, you know, Tavi was out there. They were doing their thing. Um, and then you had, you know, we were like, I was on Tumblr taking photos of New York City and writing about my life and taking some photos of clothes. But like, I was not a, you know, a blogger. I guess like I would have been called an influencer now. Um, but at the time there was really no term for it. Anyway, um, fast forward a little bit. I wanted to um, shoot for some brands and specifically wanted to shoot for fashion brands, but I'm, I'm from Georgia <laughs> and I, you know, I worked in marketing and finance and I didn't know anyone in the city. I didn't, you know, in that space, in the fashion world. And I didn't understand how the, how it worked. You know, I think that the fashion industry is, is actually decently complex. Um, and I think if you're not in New York or you're not, you know, surrounded by it, it can be hard to understand how to get into it. So I used to just email CEOs of, of, companies, I would email Prada's CEO and I'd say, Hey, I have a, I have a blog, I have this Tumblr account. It has all these followers. I'd love to shoot something for Prada. And I never heard anything back and from anyone. And, and I ended up meeting Rich and Rich was working at Tumblr at the time and getting these fashion brands onto the platform. Um, like, you know, he had Kate Spade on there and Mark Jacobs and Oscar de la Renta. And, and so I met up with him and, and, you know, he ended up introducing me to um, Oscar De La Renta's team, and I ended up shooting some things for them, and I ended up becoming their house photographer, and and then kind of like things just went crazy. I was traveling around the world. I was shooting for all of these kind of incredible brands that you know I was a huge fan of, but never thought I would work with. Uh, and Rich and I kind of came to the realization that. You know, I was getting hired for these jobs because I had a big following, not because I, you know, was this incredible photographer and brands were looking for people like me. They would email me or Rich and say, hey, we need bloggers in LA or I need a blogger in Chicago or Atlanta. And so Rich had left Tumblr and we thought, you know, we should create a platform that can connect these brands and influencers or bloggers together directly. And we didn't feel like uh, we wanted to get in the way of that. We wanted to let uh, brands find bloggers um, themselves and create those relationships themselves. And then I was working in marketing and, and asked Rich, you know, can we get, uh, can we pull analytics in? Can we pull data in? I was coming from a marketing background. I thought we're going to eventually need to have, you know, real data that marketers can trust uh, if this is going to be a bigger industry. Um, so he figured out a way to be able to pull in Google analytics data, as well as the Tumblr followers. And that was really the, the genesis of the idea it was creating a directory that would let brands find bloggers. And then once they found them, be able to understand their reach and get real verified, uh, analytics on them. 
that's a long explanation of kind of how it started. But I do think that Rich and I's story of kind of how that worked was uh, it, pretty important to how we run the business today. No, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you dove into that because so much just came up for me with all of this. And I'm so excited to dive in. Um, so when you, you know, you started this because you, you mentioned like you had the first iPhone. So we're, we're thinking New York, 2007, 2008, right? Mm -hmm. And I loved also too, how you were able to kind of innovate yourself and keep elevating yourself and you were able to flow because you, the timing of all of this is also so key, right? Because this is 2007, 2008, New York, you know, you're, you're starting to see on the cusp of the shift of of this space, but it's still very early on. I mean, Instagram doesn't even exist at this point, or especially to the capacity that is, I think it made us started in 09. Um, So I don't think that it existed at this point. I think it was predominantly Twitter and Facebook at this point, but even blogs at that, at that time were, were, you know, not even to the, to the expanse that that, that they were say two years from this point. Um, I find it so fascinating that you got to work with De Laurenta, not only because of who he is, who he was, and but really what Oscar PR girl did for the influencer mm-hmm. space. And I think some of some people that may be listening right now may not even know who I'm talking about or kind of what this really entails. But the fact that you were kind of on that team and you were part of that, you know, movement, if you will, and and how you know, I think that what Oscar PR girl was able to do, what really the De La Renta team that you were part of was able to do was to really start to fuse the world of fashion with influence and influencer and blogger. Um, mm-hmm. For those who may not know who Oscar PR girl is or really kind of what that shift was, could you share a little bit about that and your experience with, with kind of being around that at that time? Yeah. So Erica Behrman, uh, was head of PR at Oscar de la Renta. She's, she's like incredibly talented, unbelievably chic uh, woman. And she was head of PR for Oscar at like 27 years old, um, which is crazy. And, you know, they wanted to create a Twitter account and she had this idea of like, well, let's, let's create it. Like, let's create this persona of like, you know, it, it, it's me, I'm Oscar PR girl, but like, you know, it'll be a kind of new uh, idea of what Oscar de la Renta could be, which is, you know, Oscar's so much ladies who lunch uptown, you know, old stuffy brand. And Erica started, you know, the Twitter and then the, the Tumblr account, um, and then eventually Instagram with Oscar PR girl. And she just embodied that brand as a modern woman, uh, wearing a, you know, modern young woman who was wearing Oscar, but also like going to lunch with rappers and like posting Jay-Z lyrics and drinking tequila. Um, and you know, it's funny in, in speaking to Erica in the years since, because she was so important for my career, you know, she, again, the, the first paid job I ever had was with Oscar de la Renta and she took a chance on me. I'd never, you know, I'd never done any work for anyone before. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, everything in my life since the night I shot something for Oscar de la Renta can kind of be traced back to uh, that opportunity that she gave me. And I kind of, you know, if, if any of you all know Jane Beck from Ann Street Studio, who's incredibly talented, Erica kind of did the same thing with her a year or so earlier. Um, it was kind of one of Jamie's first big opportunities as well. So Erica was always looking for young people that she could kind of elevate. Um, and in, in speaking to her in years since, she's like, she laughs because she's like, you know, sometimes I, I think about, like, I don't, she's like, sometimes I, I think I don't understand the influencer space. And then sometimes I think I created it. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think she was one of the first in like influencers because she wasn't a blogger. You know, she wasn't saying, Hey guys, like I'm going to style three, you know, Easter Sunday looks for you. Um, she was just this personality that you wanted to follow. And she was, you know, you wanted to know what kind of tequila she drank and you wanted to know what, you know, her beach house looked like. And you wanted to know what she was wearing on a Tuesday morning or on a Saturday night. Um, and you know, she kind of was like laid out this archetype for what an influencer can be, which would be, you know, opening up more of your life and not just doing very dedicated posts that were just style based. Um, but it was more just like, 
here's me, take a look at it. Like, this is my incredibly chic, amazing life. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think she was, she was massively instrumental in creating influencers and creating this, again, this archetype for, uh, what everybody is doing now. Um, and for, yeah, for those of you who don't know who she is, it's, it's, I think worth trying to, to go back and, and find some of those old posts, uh, because it is, it's really interesting. It's so interesting. And I so love that this is part of your story because I didn't know to the depth of how much this was part of your story prior to this conversation now. And Mm -hmm. just to, to really, you know, emphasize the importance that that time not only did for everything that you just explained so beautifully, but also, you know, I really don't know to what capacity that these high end fashion bloggers that we see now would be sitting front row fashion week if it wasn't for Oscar PR girl. And if it wasn't for that time of really um, paving the way for the fashion industry to see kind of the art of influence and the power of influence through mm-hmm. what she was able to cultivate. So it, it, it really was a very poignant time and shift in, in that moment. And I find it so fascinating and so yeah. just amazing that you got to, to be a part of that. <laughs> and, and I think too, just personally, you know, that was, that was probably what a year or two before De Laurenta passed away or a couple of years before yeah. he passed away. And I think that I, that I shot, yeah, I shot for them for like the last two years of his life. I think my last show was his last show. Oh uh, yeah. And just for, for also what she did with just kind of reintroducing him and his body of work and just his eye and his, his attention to the feminine detail in the fashion mm-hmm. space. It, it was, it, it was just beautiful. So I love it. It was a really cool. Yeah. It was a really cool time. And it was, you know, the internet was such a, it was so much smaller at the time. Um, it's kind of funny that like, I mean, you know, 800 million Instagram accounts now, right. It's just massive. The Tumblr, Tumblr was like 10 million people, maybe, you know, so it felt like a much smaller community. And, and yeah, you know, Erica, I think because Oscar was Oscar de la Renta, the brand, and, and she was doing innovative stuff. It was, I think because the brand trusted her and because Oscar trusted her so much, she was able to, to do things that, you know, other brands would be, you know, too afraid to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, I remember the first show I shot, she put me in the, you know, in the riser with all the photographers. I'd never been to a fashion show in my life. And she put me in there and made sure that like she walked over and kicked a photographer from a magazine out of the spot and was like, this, this is not your spot. This is, you know, James's spot. He's shooting for us. And you know, it, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible because she was saying, okay, you know, all the stuff that's coming through on Vogue and style.com and, you know, Elle and Harper's Bazaar, like this is all the same shot over and over again, but there's this whole thing happening over here and we need a new aesthetic and we need, you know, new people to be able to be introduced to the brand. Um, so yeah, it was a really, it was a really special, uh, fun time to be on the internet. I was glad that I was able to, to be a part of it. And, and then what, what it kind of allowed, I guess, just even naturally for, for, for you and kind of the next steps that took place, you know, I know that you kind of mentioned, um, when, when you were, were joining forces together, um, you started thinking when you met Rich and, um, you guys were thinking, okay, how, how, how can we create a better synergy between bloggers and brands? Um, let's create this platform. I have the visual eye. I kind of, I creatively kind of get where it needs to go. You got that. He got that just from your vast experience that, that you guys were bringing to the table together. But then you also had the, just the marketing know-how and the foresight to also know these brands are going to need data. They're going to need the numbers. They're going to need the analytics. And one of the things that I love so much about four card is how, just simply laid out the data is not only for the brand, but for the influencer. Um, and so I would love for you to walk us kind of through, um, you know, the, the, the membership and the directory process a bit and really the, you know, the importance of you making the analytics so readily available and the success that you've kind of seen from your foresight to be able to do that. 
for the influencer, it's very easy to sign up. There's, there's no commitments. There's no fees. We don't take any money from you. Um, you just have to sign up and uh, connect your account. So we ask you to connect your Instagram, your YouTube, your Pinterest, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Google Analytics, whatever of those accounts you have and use. Um, we connect through the API. So, you know, like when you sign up for a site and, and it bumps you over to Instagram and says, hey, this site wants to uh, pull data from Instagram and you have to say yes, we do that for all of those platforms. So what that allows us to do is compile all that information. And, you know, the original idea of Forecard, and we're actually, um, this is, you know, something we haven't announced yet, but we're dropping the card from in the name uh, in the next couple of months and just calling it four, because initially it was the idea of like a models comp card that like all the information that you would need for a blogger would be in one place. Um, the business has expanded so far beyond that, that the card feels a bit anachronistic. So we're dropping it to just four, but for the profiles that, that still, it, you know, exists, we have all of your information in one place. It gets pulled in every couple of hours. We're able to show demographics of what your followers demographics are like. We're able to show follower health, as you mentioned in the intro, which shows, um, you know, if you have a healthy, authentic following, or if you have bought followers, um, and then we show growth rates and engagement rates and all, you know, kind of all the data that we're able to pull legally from these platforms we do. And we show for brands, um, for, for the influencers, you also get a private link that you can send out to anyone that will have all of that information there. So it can kind of replace your press kit. So I think as an influencer, it's really great because, you know, as brands are asking you for your press kit, um, you don't have to update the numbers every day or every week or every month. Um, you can just kind of send that four card and it's got all of your updated press links and all of your contact information, as well as, you know, your up-to-date following engagement, um, traffic, all of that. And then for brands, you, you have to pay to be able to access that. We now have 35,000 influencers that reach billion and a half people a month. Um, so brands pay anywhere between 15 and $30,000 for the year to be able to access um, the data from all the influencers, as well as, you know, find them, uh, pull reports, run campaigns, a number of different tools that makes it easier to work with influencers. One of the nice things, you know, we keep it uh, decently expensive, uh, one, because we think it's worth it. Um, but also, you know, we want to make sure the brands that are clients of ours are, are serious about influencers um, and, and, you know, are working with them on a consistent uh, and kind of elevated basis. Uh, we don't want... You know, if, if we made it $99 a month, we could probably get, you know, a lot of the brands in this world to sign up. But then you as an influencer would start to get emails from brands that you have no interest in working with. Um, and so Forecard becomes a, an annoyance for you rather than a, um, you know, something that you enjoy being a part of and working with. Um, so we try and, and keep it, you know, keep it kind of exclusive um, to those brands that are that are really serious about doing this. I'm giving you like preach hands back here, even (laughs) because, um, that is truly, you know, what I, as an influencer, I personally love about four card is not only how clean and seamless it is to use the platform, but also how you are able to really focus on quality over quantity when it comes to the brands that you bring within to work with the influencers potentially. Um, and I think that you, you said that so perfectly and just how, yeah, you could have it at a lower rate and you would be getting any and every brand that wanted to join the community. But then, like you said, it really becomes more of a grievance than something for the influencer than something that they're really excited about and really want to grow. And I think that that is where a lot of the value of what four card has been able to bring and what it's going to continue to bring really lies. Um, you know, you do a a great job at cultivating, um, the right kind of influencers and the right kind of brands. You have great campaigns that come from this. I've been able to do campaigns with you guys. And, um, I really think that that's, what's going, has always set you apart and what will continue to set four card apart, um, in terms of, of how they work with influencers and with brands. Another thing that I think that I know that sets you apart is the health scores, My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. 
So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. I would love for you to share with us, what are they? Where did this idea come about? It's brilliant. And how do you think these health scores are now impacting the influencer space? Yeah. Uh, So first, how it came about um, was I was in uh, Art Basel uh, on a trip uh, with a client and I was at a, at a big, a table of a big dinner with a bunch of influencers, maybe, you know, 10 people there and, you know, everyone gets a few drinks, you know, a few glasses of wine in them, et cetera, et cetera. And then they start complaining about other influencers who they think have bought followers. And the whole table is like, I know this person bought followers. I know they bought followers. I know they're buying followers. And, you know, my question was, how do you know? how do you know that that person bought followers? And they're like, well, they're just growing too quickly. I just don't believe it. Like I'm doing all these things and my growth has slowed so much over the last year, but they're growing. And the only thing that can be is that they must've bought followers. And so I said to myself, okay, I I do know that people are buying followers. And so I I wanted to create a tool to be able to weed out the the kind of uh, bad seeds from the community But on the other hand, I wanted to validate the people who everyone was pointing fingers at saying, I think that they're buying followers because I felt like it came from a place of jealousy uh, and envy rather than uh, a place of knowledge. And so I wanted to to create something that, uh, you know, we could believe and say, okay, this is, you know, this person built their following authentically. I mean, I can give an actual example uh, Michelle take aim. I've, I heard a lot of influencers say, I think she's buying followers because she was growing so quickly, uh, in a time when it was really hard to grow on Instagram. And I didn't think that she was buying followers. And, you know, it was interesting when we built this tool and I'll explain kind of how it works, but we built it the first day and we were, you know, scanning all these accounts. I was, you know, I was nervous to check some people's because, you know, we've paid, we pay influencers millions of dollars a year and I have a lot of friends in the community and I was just hoping that 
my friends that I like um, didn't, you know, didn't have bad health scores. And one of the first ones I checked was Michelle because she was kind of in my head when I was building this of somebody who, you know, it would come up in influencer conversations that they felt like she was buying her followers. And I looked at her graph and it was, it was, you know, very healthy. It was like a beautiful, authentic graph. And I ended up bringing her on to drink with James and saying, okay, well, how'd you do it? You know? And she's like, well, you know, everyone was doing editorial photos and everyone's stuff was getting more and more professional. I stopped doing that. And I started taking iPhone photos of myself looking straight at the camera and smiling. And when I did that, I, she gained a, you know, 150,000 followers in 14 months. Wow. Um, and it was just that she was doing something different, you know, and, and it worked for her. And then she went after it and she was growing. And so I was so happy to have a tool where Michelle and, and, you know, anyone else yourself can say, Hey, the third party has said that like, this is a, a valid, authentic, you know, following that I have built and that you can use that for brands. And, you know, the way we do it is we kind of look at, you know, Instagram only gives us so much information. Um, but I am, we basically built a system that can look at, uh, you know, it, the username, how many people the account follows, how many followers they have, how many posts they have, what their bio says, if they have a link. Um, and basically it, it's pretty simple. You know, we look for normal behavior on Instagram, right? So a, a normal account might be somebody who follows 700 people, has 500 followers, has 200 photos that, you know, and their name is Jane Smith. And the bio says mom and dog lover. Okay. That feels like a, a real account to me, you know, somebody who follows 8,000 people who has a hundred followers in one photo, that doesn't feel real. Mm. And even if it is a real person, there's absolutely no way that person is seeing the influencer's content. So for the brand, it doesn't matter anyway. So that's why we don't call it a fake follower tool because I can't say unless I get your bank records and credit card statements, right. if you have bought followers. Um, but I can say this is a healthy following and we feel like, you know, there's a good chance the people who follow this account have a chance of seeing this content, or this is an unhealthy following that, you know, we feel like a large percentage of these followers will never see this content, whether they bought that, you know, whether they bought their following or not. Um, so that's kind of how it, um, how it came about. And, uh, you know, it, it did come from a place of wanting to validate the space more than invalidate it. But, you know, we've scanned 15,000 influencers, accounts and scored them. And I think only 10,000 of those people got verified. Um, so there is a large portion uh, of the community that we did not verify. And that's not an editorial decision I make. I'm not sitting there like hand of God verifying people or not verifying them. We just look at data and we look at benchmarks, you know, so if you have a hundred thousand followers and you know, the benchmark for, you know, how many active followers you have is 76%, let's say. Um, and you have 78%, then we'll say, okay, we feel good verifying you. If you have 70%, then we don't feel good verifying you. Um, so that's kind of how, you know, that's a very basic way of, of kind of how it works. But the nice thing is it's, it's based on tens of millions of data points. So it's pretty hard to cheat the system. Um, and, people ask all the time, did you get a lot of backlash? Did you get a lot of, you know, people angry? Um, and I haven't, uh, I get a bunch of influencers who say I bought followers years ago and I didn't get verified and I would like to get rid of my followers, um, and, and get, you know, get verified. So that always, you know, makes me feel good that like, okay, this tool is right, you know, doing a good job. And we've had a lot of people can't, you know, close their accounts. Um, and delete their four cards um, because they don't want to show that they have a, an authentic following, which is fine for me as well. Because, you know, when you asked, has it changed behavior? It, it, you know, inside of our world, it certainly has. Our clients are, you know, very, very uh, interested and conscience, uh, conscious of influencers' follower health. And we have seen many, many, many times uh, brands reaching out saying, Hey, I was going to work with this person. I saw their follower health. I didn't and work. I worked with someone else. Thank you for saving, you know, me the money of doing that. 
Um, and you know, so in, and certainly in, within our team and the campaigns that we run, which you've been a part of, um, a few of them, I believe we really try to, you know, only work with people with good follower health or alternatively, if we see that half of your audience is real and half isn't, well then we could still work with you. We would just pay for the real followers, not the fake ones. Mm. Um, and that's something that we've done in the past and we've explained to influencers, Hey, I know this offer is low, but I'm seeing that you have a 40% of your following isn't real. So we're not going to pay for those people. Um, but we would like to work with the, you know, and then speak to the 60% of the following that is real. Um, so we do that at times, but we, we really try not to, um, because, uh, well, we just, yeah, we try to stay with people who have, who have kind of struggled through and built that authentic following. Well, and I think that it does the industry such a service because it's it your your goal and your intention with this, from what I hear you saying, is really just trying to not only level the playing field, but level the playing field so we can all grow this industry to a much healthier space. And the healthier that the industry is, the healthy the healthier that the individuals' businesses are going to be, and vice versa. Um, we are only as good, as strong, as authentic as our industry is. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, to me, it's it's not even any different. I've had even brands come to me and say we're targeting this specific area of the country. So we're going to pay you for the followers that, you know, that, that tend to be in that demographic or that tend to be in the U S and Canada only, or what have Mm -hmm. you. Um, so, you know, when you're really thinking about as an influencer sitting back and saying, you know, how can I really be of service to, to, to my utmost ability to this brand to really make sure that they see positive effects with their, with their sell through to really make sure that they see positive effects with the awareness that they're trying to grow or the conversion or, you know, uh, whatever their goal may be. And all this is doing is allowing that just to kind of be more on the forefront. And it, it really, it, it is, it is a kind of a, a thank you in a way. Cause it's like, thank you for putting this out there. Thank you for making it more manageable for the brands to understand. It definitely lessens that learning curve and that education by just having, having that there. Um, and knowing that the verification is, is really proving to be a deciding factor on who the brands want to work with. So, um, you know, I think that it, it needed to happen in this space. And again, it's, you guys figured it out and you brought it, you brought it to the <laughs> forefront. And, and I think that it's only going to kind of help with where we are going into the space onto 2018, which I want to talk to you more about as well. Um, but first I want to ask you, what is Instagram fraud? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, there's, I think a few ways to, to kind of define that. I mean, I, I talk about people that buy, you know, when I talk about fake followers and people who have a a, a fake audience, I talk about it like fraud because if, if your price, you know, the way the industry is set up now, your, your price is directly tied to the number of followers that you have. And so if half of that following is fake and you're charging brands, uh, for the, you know, the total of your followers, then you are stealing from brands. You're, 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 you're stealing money. Um, and I think that there's a case to say that if you did that knowingly, um, I think that there's legal implications of that potentially. Um, I've, I've seen a few cases uh, that were that were similar, um, and and we've spoken to our lawyers about it. Well, uh, you know, tangent. One of the ways I thought about marketing this fake follower tool was creating a fake influencer and buying followers, and then trying to get brands to. Uh, work with this fake follower and then showing, you know, kind of revealing how easy it was to buy followers and get brands to, uh, you know, to, to work with this fake person that has a completely fake audience. Our lawyers said that was illegal, (laughs) um, that we couldn't knowingly defraud a brand in that way. So I, I look at buying followers and charging brands for those followers, um, as fraud and as stealing from a brand and, and not only from a brand, but you're stealing from other influencers. You know, if, if you are up against, you know, if you have two influencers, one with a real following, one with a, you know, one that isn't totally real and they're both going for the same deal. And the person with the fake followers has 50,000 more followers and they get the deal. They just stole that opportunity from the other person. 
Uh, and I, you know, it, it really like, it pisses me off. And I, and I see influencers who I know have bad health scores and I see them working with big brands and I see Prada and Louis Vuitton sending them gifts. And it, it, it's really frustrating because somebody else should be getting that opportunity. Somebody else should be getting that gift. Somebody else should be getting that campaign. Um, and I, I, I think it's similar to me. Uh, it's similar to, you know, taking steroids in sports and, and, and doping in sports. Um, in that you're not only stealing, you're not only defrauding the advertisers who are sponsoring you, but, you know, by taking the drugs and winning the, you know, gold medal, you have taken that gold medal away from somebody else, um, which is, which is maybe worse, uh, in some ways, um, because brands, you know, brands are huge entities with millions of dollars and, and while they don't want to be defrauded, you know, spending an extra thousand bucks isn't going to kill them. But, you know, somebody who has dreamed of working with, uh, you know, Prada their entire life and somebody else gets that job, um, that's not something you can just like rectify next week. Um, so that's kind of how I think about Instagram thought. I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. And, and it makes me, you know, want to even pose another question just for your personal opinion, your professional opinion, um, other than the constant need to educate these brands and to re-educate these brands on this idea. And of course, being, you know, having the great, um, you know, the opportunities to use the verification and the health scores that you and four card were able to create. Are there, is there another way that we can get, that we can start to avoid that? Is there a way other than education and coming up with fantastic tools that you've been able to create to help the brands realize, you know, what influencer, what blogger is better to work with over another? Or is it just going to be a lot of trial and error and maybe the brand's just kind of getting burned and burned and burned until they realize it themselves? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I think I've been I've been so happy with how how well received follower health has been in the influencer community and how supportive everyone's been and and I love that everyone posts their Insta stories when they get their verification. I think that does a lot um, and obviously selfishly it help it helps forecard like mm -hmm. you know we created the system that would send you a custom Insta story badge because I wanted you to post it um, <laughs> uh, but you know getting the word out there and everyone talking about it. It, it, the thing is, uh, with the brands, um, the, you know, there are so many, you know, there's tens of thousands of brands out there that are working with influencers, right? What's interesting about the influencer community um, and the power that, that y'all have is that every single decision maker at every brand in the world follows in, in influencer marketing. So every, every decision maker in the influencer marketing space follows an influencer. There's, there's no way you could work in the space and not follow influencers. So if it's something that influencers are talking about, and it's, if it's something that as a community, you, you all get behind, then it is something that brand, you know, the brands will see. You don't need the New York times to write an article about it. Um, it is a small ish community still, you know, you think about a brand like you know, you think about something like L'Oreal, which is an enormous brand with billions and billions of dollars in revenue. There are, you know, there are maybe 50 people in that entire company that make decisions when it comes to influencers and all 50 of those people follow influencers. So, so if you all get behind something and you talk about it, um, which I feel like with authenticity and fake followers has, has been a conversation that is happening, you know, with the four card authenticity, but outside of that as well. Uh, you know, you talked earlier about a rising tide, essentially, you know, lifting all ships or whatever the, uh, the actual, you know, the, the phrase is. Um, but it's similar, you know, we, I love people talking about authenticity and relating it to four card, but I think the conversation should be bigger than that. Um, and I think that the influencer community, if you keep talking about it, the brands will, uh, you know, they will take notice and, and, you know, we have done so much business in the last year because influencers are talking about their four card verifications and then brands reach out saying, Hey, I saw an influencer post about this. What is it? I'm interested. So like it is working, you know, and 
every one of those brands that have come to us because an influencer posted their badge is going to be working with influencers who have a healthy, authentic following instead of people that don't. So it, it's happening. Um, it, you know, change is slow. Uh, but I do think that, you know, being a part of this community is means, you know, having, uh, you know, in mass, having one of the most powerful voices in the world. Um, you know, you, you have the world's attention. Um, people are spending, increasingly spending a lot more time on their phones and looking at these social networks more time than they are watching television more time than they're, they're reading the newspaper. So I think the community, if they get behind something, um, can kind of shift, uh, shift the world, however they want it to, to be. Um, so I see it happening. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's, you know, it's really exciting. Mm. And I love that you, you know, you, you touched on just, it's, it's really, it's the proof, you know, that the, the, the health, the the legitimacy that that brings is just proof to the brand. And it, that, that this, this influencer, this influence, this blogger is someone that you can, you can trust to, to work with and to test out Mm -hmm. and to see where it goes. Um, you shared with us the negative effects of buying followers, you shared, you know, I think it was tens of thousands of fake followers on average that that influence that people are buying on social media that just you've come across throughout your 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 building of um, of the follower health mm-hmm. score. Um, so, with the industry being so saturated at this point, and with buying followers really being out of the equation, if if you want to build this long term, how does an influencer survive? in 2018? Yeah. Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard to grow a following, um, these days. And, uh, and that's natural because we're, you know, Instagram is such a mature platform, um, in that it's just old, it's been around for a while. And, and, you know, when Instagram first launched in, in the first two or three years, um, which is when, you know, if you look at the kind of big, successful bloggers, like the, the biggest names in the space, they've been doing this for, you know, generally six to eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's easy one for a lot of influencers who are two years in to say, what's going on. I, I don't, I can't build a following. I don't know what's happening. Um, but like it does, it just, it takes time. Um, like any business, you know, I mean, four cards spent three years in my co-founder's apartment. <laughs> um, you know, we spent 18 months with the bank account under $5,000, just scraping by moving money from our savings accounts into the bank, you know, the company's account to be able to make payroll. Um, so our employees checks didn't bounce. So like, and now things are, are much different, but like, you know, six success and growth take a long time. Uh, and I think in the influencer space today, there's, there's always room for new voices. Um, you know, we saw someone, do you know that account, uh, the woman, she's young, she's like 21. I think her account is called Double Exposure. Yeah, I've seen her. You know, she was at like 25,000 like eight months ago and she's at like 200,000 now. Um, you know, she she has an aesthetic that, you know, makes sense right now. And it's very kind of, you know, in the moment and in vogue. And, and like, she's been able to grow very, very quickly. And she has an authentic, real following uh, and, you know, there is always room for new voices, uh, but it is, it is harder and it's harder to stand out and it's harder to, to grow a following. Um, and I understand the frustration and a part of it is, is that with the, you know, with the platform becoming more and more powerful, the, the talent level is higher. You know, I, I used to be the most, one of the most followed photographers in the world, right? If I quit my job today and said, I'm going to be a photographer again. I could never build a following like that again. Not, you know, not because really just because the amount of talent, amount of photography talent on Instagram now is, is, you know, staggering. And it's when I was popular in Tumblr, professional photographers didn't publish photos online because they thought it was a joke. Mm. Um, so they, you know, it was easier to become successful because there just wasn't that many people publishing photos online. And, you know, when 
you know, Ami Song and, uh, you know, all these kind of, uh, you know, Kiara, whoever started their Instagram accounts, there were not that many style bloggers. So if you were into style, there was 20 people you could follow. Well, now if you're into style, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that you could follow. And so the competition is, is so much more fierce and there's so much more choice from a consumer standpoint of who you follow. So it is that much more important to stand out, to try and stand out and do something different um, if, you, if you want to grow. Yeah. And it's sometimes it's just as like, I don't want to say simple of an answer, but it is. It's really about being unique and different. And, you know, if you keep looking around and doing what everyone else is doing and then wondering why you're not growing, you know, there may be some, some, some steps that you, that you might've skipped, you know, in terms of figuring out really who you are as a brand and what you're trying, the message that you're trying to cultivate and what you're trying to share. Um, I know that you've mentioned, you know, double exposure, Ami, of course, Kiara, um, what other influencers are really hitting the mark in your eyes right now? Um, that you've seen micro or, or large? Um, yeah, I'll give a couple examples. So I just started following this menswear guy and his account is Q Mike. Um, he's got 87,000. He is, you know, he is, is doing some really interesting stuff. He, he does, a, uh, some really cool video stuff. He does some really cool stuff with editing, but in general, he's just, he's just taking a lot of time with his posts, especially his sponsored posts, his sponsored posts are just, I think, incredible. Um, and he did some stuff over the holidays, um, that was, you know, very ambitious and impressive. Um, and it's been cool to see someone saying, you know what, maybe I'm getting, you know, you think about someone with a hundred thousand followers, you're getting a thousand to $1,500 for a post. It's not crazy to spend eight hours creating that post. You know, right. um, and I think that, you know, part of the thing that I struggle with, with influencers is, is that they're not trying hard enough. Mm. Um, what and do you mean by that? That, you know, it's just, it's gotten to a thing of being like, okay, this brand asked for, you know, a watch brand sent me a watch and I'm going to, you know, take a photo of me, you know, my wrist in front of me. Um, shot down of the watch and I'm going to tag the brand and I'm going to walk away. Um, you know, when a brand, especially if they're paying you, if they're, if they're paying you to do a sponsored post, your job is to sell that, you know, to sell that product. And I think that, you know, influencers aren't stepping back enough and thinking, what, what, what can I do that's different or interesting or will tell the story of this brand in a better way? And I think about it like as a photographer and, you know, if I was being paid $1,500 for a day, which would be a, a kind of normal day rate that I would be charging when I was shooting more, well, that was, that was eight to, you know, eight to 12 hours of work that I was doing to make that money. Mm-hmm. Um, so influencers grabbing the phone, clicking a photo, you know, spending 10 minutes in Visco and throwing it up. Is that providing the value that the brand is paying for? Um, I think that we're maybe getting a little bit flippant with some of the, you know, some of the sponsored posts. So I think this kid, um, Q Mike is doing a good job. Someone who's more of a traditional style blogger, uh, retro flame. She's a Irish woman who lives in, in New York. Um, I bring her up, um, not because she's, you know, doing anything that's incredibly complex, but I can say the campaigns that we work on with her her content outperforms almost everybody's. Um, so she has done a really great job of, you know, cultivating a community around her, uh, that listens to what she says and is interested in her advice. And like, you know, when she says, Hey, go visit this site, swipe up to visit, like they swipe up and they visit. Um, so I think, you know, she is a, she's a good one to follow, um, just for kind of best practices of, of how to get, um, you know, how to get the most for a brand, uh, when they're doing a sponsored post, I think she does, uh, she does a really um, great job. Mm. And also just to, to touch on the point you were saying before, I think that is something that I've talked about a little bit and is, is important to remember is that, it, you know, nobody is owed a following, mm. 
just because you start an Instagram account and you follow, you know, you, you, you watch, you know, you listen to this podcast and you, you watch Drink with James and you read all the advice and you, you know, you're doing all these things and you get a new camera and you hire a photographer, all these things that does not entitle you to, to a following, you know, and, and sometimes it's just not going to work out and not everybody who tries to do this is going to be able to do it. Cause if, if that was the case, then there would be no value in what we do, you know, getting, getting 10,000 people to follow you is not easy. You know, that's, I mean, 10,000 people is, is, is a lot. That's a, you know, a small basketball stadium. So getting a hundred thousand people to follow you is, it's really, it's difficult. Um, and that is why it's so valuable because it is difficult to do it and not everybody is going to be able to do it. And at some point there's no, you run out of advice, you know, and then, my advice at, at that point is that like, just if you still enjoy posting to Instagram, then you should post to Instagram. But if you don't enjoy it and, and if you're doing it just to try and get a following so that you can get free product, then like, it's probably not, a, it's probably not going to work out for you. Mm. That was such just, I'm like pausing. Cause it's just, it, you said that perfectly and it's so true and it's so spot on. Um, yeah, I mean, even, even as we get into 2018, um, you know, and with the, the, the trends and the changes in the algorithm and, and all of that, just to, to bring us back to that, to say, you know, deciding to become an influencer or a blogger, it doesn't entitle you to a massive following or an over the night success of, of this business, um, I think that that's, it's, it's a good reminder, um, for people listening and hopefully they can listen it with open minds and open hearts to really kind of think, think on that. I think it's important for, for everyone, um, as we, as we navigate this space, because it's so easy to get locked into that cycle of feeling that it, that it may be owed to you because you start to compare or that it may be owed to you because you you assume that that other people it's being owed to them. Right. Um, I love that and you it, use the word entitled. And it's really you know yeah, and it's 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 a blessing, right? Like you you've got to fo- like having a following is it's really fun. You know, it is fun to be able to speak to a big audience like that. And I've I've had a big following, and then I've not. You know, and, and my life isn't much different. Um, you know, it's, it's not gonna, it's not like getting 50,000 Instagram followers. is like all of a sudden the problems are going to be gone, you know? Uh, but I don't downplay that. Like it, it's really, it, it's fun to, to have an audience and to be able to speak to them and have people interested, you know, have complete strangers interested in, in, in what you say. But in order to do that, you have to have something interesting to say mm. and copying what another influencer is doing is not interesting. And it's not going to work. And so like some people just don't have a unique, you know, they don't have a viewpoint that, that justifies building an audience around. Like, that's just a, that's just a fact. I mean, I could, I could write a book, uh, but like not get it published. Like I'm, I'm just probably not a good enough writer. That's okay. Like, you know, I, I'm good at other things. Right. Um, doesn't mean you're a worthless human being. Right. Right. (laughs) But but I could go to every how to write a novel class and buy the books and, and, you know, read a hundred books a year. And it probably would never help me, you know, because I may not have the, you know, the underlying talent or viewpoint um, to, you know, to justify publishing a large novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I encourage people to just step back and, at times and think about that and, and analyze your reasons for doing this Um, because you know as you know i'm sure you can speak uh, as as good as anyone else it's it's not easy it's gonna be a lot of work yeah Uh, and and figure and i think a lot of that comes back to just you know people not really figuring out what is their unique brilliance you know and they maybe they try to force it to be something that it isn't um or something that hasn't evolved enough to be Um, so I think that it's, it's just important to kind of remember that. And the more that, that we get true and we get honest with that, because I think, you know, a following is also, it's, it's a huge responsibility 
or at least, you know, I see it that way, that Mm -hmm. if, if these, if you're going to cultivate a community and a tribe of people who look to you for inspiration or education or entertainment or what it may be, it's your, you know, you have to have the ability to respond to that, you know, in, in, in your, your, your best means possible. Um, so it really is, I think, a very fun responsibility at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think of it. So I want to talk, um, I mean, I'm going to say trends for lack of a better word, um, but more specifically, I've been hearing a lot of buzz um, about specifically with Instagram with business accounts. And I've been getting a lot of questions about it. I've been researching a lot about it, reading a lot about it. You may have a lot of insight on this as well. I would love your your take on this for 2018. But from what I have read or seen or heard, with the new algorithm shift, with the new changes with the API, API and really just at the end of the day, with the fact that Instagram is a business, um, they are owned by Facebook. Instagram is kind of looking at all of us in this influencer blogger space being like, hey, we've let you guys sit back and like make a lot of money without taking a cut of it for this for this long of a time, we are really going to start seeing you and treating you like a business if you are able to monetize on this platform. So I've been hearing a lot of buzz that um, the shift, the algorithm shift with Instagram is going more towards favoring business accounts and that really anyone out there who uses you know, Instagram to grow an awareness, to sell a product, to build a brand, to, you know, if you use it to, to promote something, you really should be thinking about changing your account from a personal to a business account. Do you have a take on this, um, an idea on the shift of algorithm, whether we should be switching to business accounts, uh, any insight you can give? Yeah. Um, I mean, Instagram's a pretty, uh, it's pretty closed uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a closed box. A lot of ways, like it doesn't, there's not a lot of information coming out of Instagram. There's a lot of speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that say, Oh, I know this is true. I know this is true. Um, we saw something recently, right. Where I don't know if you saw something going around the internet that said that Instagram was, um, throttling likes, um, for people, uh, who weren't logging in as much. So they were, tr- they were holding back people's likes, yes. um, trying to get people to check the the feed more. Yeah. And everyone was like, I can't believe Instagram is doing this. And then someone from Instagram was like, just to be clear, we absolutely 100% do not do this. This is com- complete bull. We don't do that. Um, so I think that's a good example of someone being like, I know this is happening on Instagram. Everyone knows this is happening. And Instagram being like, that's not happening. Uh, so I don't know if you should switch from a business account to a personal, I, you know, I've never, I've always just had a personal, um, I, I think it's kind of half and half with influencers. I, you know, I see a world in which Instagram, you know, wants to get people to pay to boost their posts more. Um, we're already seeing that more from a brand standpoint of them, you know, being quite interested in boosting influencers posts, um, just because given the algorithm, it is hard to get the content in front of everybody. Um, so, you know, I could see that I, you know, it's hard to know unless you just straight AB tested it. If, um, you know, if they're serving up business profiles more or less in the, in the algorithm. And, you know, the thing about the, about any algorithm, you know, if you feel like you have a trick to beat it, uh, it, it's not going to last for long. You know, I think that like, people were doing the comment pods for a while and I'm sure Instagram saw that. And I'm sure that, you know, that's one line of code to be able to make sure that people who are in a comment pod don't affect the, the algorithm, you know, so they're changing these, these algorithms are getting changed every single day and they're being refined and tweaked. So it, it's really hard to like trick it. Um, so I don't know business or, or, or personal what you should do, but I think that, you know, if you're not on four card, um, business profile, at least you get, you know, you get demographics, you get, um, you get to see some, some, um, stats and you get to kind of get a little more insight into your, um, followers and your performance. And so I think that that's always a good thing. Yep. And I would agree with you. I mean, I think that we can all share what our opinions may be or what we've tested out ourselves or or what we may have heard or may have read, but really at the end of the day, unless you work at, at Instagram, you're not going to know. 
And right. I think that it's just a matter of kind of testing it out. And I, I think that it is important to pay attention to what Facebook's doing because obviously Facebook owns Instagram. I mean, at the same mm-hmm. time, they are two completely different platforms. And I know that they will always be respected as such. Um, but just from a, from a business standpoint, I, I do try to kind of look at that just to see, but it is, it's, it's all just, it's, it's all a test at the end of the day. Um, so before we wrap this up, I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. And that is what does influence mean to you? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, influence is, is simply the ability to, um, change people's behavior in some way or, or, you know, for lack of a better word, influence it. Love it. Well, as, James, as, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's just like another thing that's interesting in this space is that people think of influencers, they think of people with a following, but I follow a lot of people that have a big following that would never be able to influence my decision-making. Mm. And for, inf- for influencers, you have to think about that. Like, are you, are you having a conversation with your followers? Are you p- providing value to them? And at the end of the day, can you shift their behavior or the way they think or the brands that they're interested in or the places that they want to go on vacation? Because if you can't shift behavior and you can't change people's minds or, or influence their decision-making, then you're not an influencer no matter how big your following is. That's such a a fantastic takeaway and just analogy of what influence is for sure. Um, thank you for uh, expanding on that. I want you to share where people can find more about four card and more about drink with James and, um, just the other amazing content that you provide and share out there. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously four card.com, um, you know, and our YouTube is, is just four card and we put a, drink with James out every Monday, which is just, I drink whiskey and answer some influencer questions, um, and curse a little more than my mom is comfortable with. Uh, and, uh, or, and you can, you know, questions, you can always email me. I'm, I'm very open with, with our whole community, with my email address. It's james at four Um, you can email me any questions, um, concerns, um, you know, that you might have. And, and, uh, yeah, we, you know, anyone who's not a community member, we'd love to have you uh, sign on and, and any brands, obviously we, we would love your money. So <laughs> awesome. James, and where can everyone find you on Instagram? Uh, it's James Nord. Awesome. Well, if you're listening today and you want to dive deeper into some of these incredible takeaways and just amazing insight that James laid out for us today, make sure to head over to the influencerpodcast.com where I will be sharing a ton of show notes and goodies. And again, you can find that at www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. So James, thank you again so much. It was awesome having you on. I know I learned a ton. I was taking notes and I really appreciate you sharing your insight and your wisdom with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Are you ready to create your own industry leading influence for show notes, downloads, and action-based tips head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode guest and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.